0: I like making bold statements. Drop it.
1: Duncan and Bo come correct.
0: Part one. Bo versus food. Hey everyone, welcome back to Duncan and Bo Come Correct. Uh, once again, a cinematic battle between two. I would, I would argue, brilliant cinephiles. <laughs> I would, not well,
1: yeah. Well, I think I was about to say brilliant's a strong word, but then I, I realized that you were complimenting me, so I'll take the compliment. Yeah, brilliant. Right.
0: I figured if I complimented us us both simultaneously, then I could slip that in. Yes. So, um, yeah, so we got a couple of movies. We went docu, uh, no, documentaries was last week. I apologize. I've been editing so many shows. Um, (laughs) So this week, uh, we are doing uh, sports films. Yes. Uh, Although, I think it's fair to say neither of us are particular sports fans.
1: Yeah, and you could you could make an argument on on some level that neither one of these films are actually sports films. However, they kind of are, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, they're as close to sports films as I think we're going to get and be excited about them. Yeah, know? yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. So, uh before we get into all that, though, um, as is our uh, habit on the show... Uh, let's talk about a couple of movies that we've been seeing that have us uh, excited in one way or another. And uh, and mm-hmm. I apologize, Duncan, I haven't introduced you yet. Duncan McLeese. <laughs> I just, I, oh, man. Well, the show's called Duncan
1: and bulk, I'm correct. So I think people know, hopefully they know by now that I'm Duncan. Hopefully. I,
0: I don't I, know. Yeah, I feel like the title gives it away. I do. But <laughs> you never know. Uh, so is there anything you've been watching recently that's got you uh, kind of fired up? Or, yeah, or the I, opposite, the or, evil opposite. Or the
1: other way. <laughs> um I obviously very much like all the podcasters out there. All the cinephiles have been painstakingly oh. compiling lists upon lists of what has um, entertained and enthralled this year and what has been a flop. And um in doing that list, uh, obviously I do like a horror podcast, so I have like a horror specific List and then I have just a general film list as well, uh, which has been which has been a lot of fun. But I realised there were certain heavy hitters this year that I had not seen um, at the time of making a list. Well, here is here is the big heavy hitter, right? Um, The one that I want to talk about um, is Maps to the Stars, which is the new David Cronenberg movie. And um, for those out there that know me, they know that I am a big fan of the Cronenberg. Sure. Um, I, I like his works I like it when he is being nasty and venereal um, but at the same time He's been kind of, not distancing himself from it, but trying different things in the last decade or so. Um, He's always been kind of an experimental filmmaker anyway, but he's been, he did A History of Violence, which I thought was an excellent movie. Um, He also did uh, a film called uh, Eastern Promises, which I thought was like, of those two, Eastern Promises is my favourite, like of those two ones, you know, he's moving out with, and both had Viggo Morrison in it. And then he did Cosmopolis, which I didn't really like. And for some reason he's been fascinated with Robert Pattinson from a, he from a Twilight fame. Yeah. Um, yeah, who has, in fairness, been doing pretty much everything he can to distance himself from those movies since he finished recording them. Um, and so he returned in his new movie, Maps to the Stars, which is kind of like a dark Hollywood sort of tale you know like the the kind of underbelly of what happens with actors and actresses in the business who maybe aren't quite A-list stars anymore. Um, The central character kind of deals with lots of different characters and it's got like a very very good cast. You've got uh, people like Julianne Moore who is phenomenal in this movie. I, I think if she doesn't get an Oscar if she's not even been nominated for an Oscar, she doesn't get an Oscar, then there's something going on. <laughs> something going on at Oscar HQ. Um, but she's phenomenal. Uh, uh, Robert Pattinson has a kind of minor role, but it's entertain Mia Wazakowska is a phenomenal actress. Everything I see her in now is just, she captivates me. She did Stoker um, two years ago, which we spoke about
0: yeah, yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Ex- I love that except movie. Except for that Alice film that she was in, which, God bless her, yeah. I understand why she did that movie, but her smaller roles her indie films are amazing she is really good
1: last year uh, 2014 she was in a movie called the double which she had a really good role in that as well really enjoyed her in that she's excellent in this um in this movie as well you've got people like john cusack has a kind of minor role in it as well um it's just a really fascinating dark dark magnifying glass look at um the the business of movies, really. And I think um I, I mean Cronenberg's always been fringe when it comes to that sort of thing anyway, wasn't it? He's never been embraced by Hollywood and I don't think he has any intention of wanting to be embraced by that establishment. Um, and this is kind of him. Kind of poking fun but at the same time telling this really dark tale of of, you know, Hollywood. And I, I think it is absolutely phenomenal. And I am distraught that I'd already compiled my list of best movies, my top five list um of movies just in general for this year, because it would have been in the top five for sure. Um it is is wow. excellent. I can't I can't say enough about it. I Wild genuinely dog. think top five. Yeah. no, I think it's top five the year 2014, I I genuinely think Cronenberg has done something that one, people won't expect from him, but two, he just seems to have harnessed the best kind of, kind of like how Tarantino picks actors and actresses that you wouldn't necessarily think would fit a particular role and then you see them and you go, well, no, that, that's perfect. I mean, I would never consider Julianne Moore. I think she's a very confident actress. She's been in some incredible roles. She was the only redeeming feature in that horrific attempt to uh, remake Carrie um, two years ago. She was the only thing that was watchable in that movie. Exactly. Um, and she's always been a great actress, but to kind of twist the role in this one, where she's playing a completely narcissistic, um, insecure, borderline bipolar actress who lives in the shadow of her mother's very successful film career, and she's phenomenal in it. I mean, like she is absolutely—I can't—I can't stress enough—potentially one of my favourite roles from uh, 2014. I think it's a phenomenal movie, and like I say, kind of got you I missed it. When I had the opportunity to, to talk about it. But now I'm gonna be mentioning it all to fifteen. Sooner.
0: I can can I confess something to you real quick? When yes. when you're describing that movie and talking about Julianne Moore in it, for some yes. reason I I thought Juliet Lewis. Not because of anything <laughs> you said, but as you're talking, I yeah. I'm picturing Juliet Lewis. Until yeah, well, the end of that, and then I was like, Oh well that makes a whole lot more sense now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's just in a lot of respects, like if you've ever if you've ever examined like it's funny, if you've ever examined the lives of actresses like Juliette Lewis, for example, um or or any or any actress that kinda grows up I think or actor that grows up in the shadow of a a parent who has been I mean, I a, a, a kind of modern example. I've always thought that it must be very difficult being Angelina Jolie. Not not from a looks point of view, because she can pretty much get what she wants. But um, having a father who's as famous as John Voight, for example, or Kiefer Sutherland, gr- and kind growing up, in like
0: crazy too.
1: John well, God. this is it. I think. Yeah, John Voight is. You know what I mean? You see kind of see the, the kind of extreme roles that that actor took on and kind of pushing himself out there. Or if you look at Donald Donald Sutherland and Kiefer Sutherland, or you know the list goes on of these you know, um Michael Sheen and um what's his face, his crazy son Charlie. Um Martin, Martin Sheen. Yeah, no, Michael Sheen different actor. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um yeah, Michael Sheen's the, the the British guy. Um yeah, but if you look at but these also father the,
0: of Kiefer Sutherland.
1: Yeah, but you look at how these kids have grown up and all these kids have had really, really crazy fucking extreme sort of rebellious kind of levels. Some have pulled through it, some have not. And on some level, I think that's kind of what is, kind of what Julianne Moore's kind of absorbing in her role almost as as an influence, um, it's fascinating. I really can't stress it enough. And um, I believe I've asked you to come on to the podcast Under the Stairs, somewhere down the line, to discuss that movie. So yeah. um, I think, to, to be honest, as, as this, well, it was last year's stoker for me, as in a movie that I was aware of, but I hadn't had a chance to see it, finally got a chance to see it and was blown away. Oh. Um, and... I don't know why people are not, I don't know why, I don't know what, with the name Cronenberg, like I was speaking to Jamie Jenkins, who you may or may not know. Um Never heard that. And I'd mentioned it, yeah, I'd said to her, now she is the biggest Cronenberg fan I know. And when I said to her, I, I finally got around to seeing the new Cronenberg movie, and she's like, "That? Ah, not seen it, what new movie? And I'm like, you are the big I just think this movie's went completely under the radar this year. I've heard no one talk about that. And I think it's time someone did. So yeah. there you go.
0: That... My pet theory about that is because Cronenberg has always worked outside the Hollywood system. You know, he's mm. always been a very independent kind of director. And my understanding is that Maps Maps of the Stars piss some people off. <laughs> um, and and I, and I haven't seen it yet either, so I can't speak to that. But mm. that thematically, that there were some things going on there that that people were uncomfortable with uh from a hollywood point of view but I, again i'm that's a rumor i've heard and i'm talking out my ass because i haven't seen the movie but i'm <laughs> really looking forward to it it sounds amazing you're 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 making all kinds of crazy bold statements like it's yeah this like... stoker
1: holy <laughs> yeah shit, sir. i, I... I like making bold statements, but Bo. I like, I like, I like being one of these guys that make statements and then challenge people to, to go and check the movies. Like, uh, uh, on the other side of that spectrum where we're talking about <coughs> movies. You know that I really liked the ones that I didn't like, and I've spoken about about this on several shows, but uh, and one with you, I think as well. Um, on the extreme opposite side of that is the one that I didn't like. Um, it is arguably, and it's not the worst movie I've seen. I want to stress that it did top my list of uh, worst movie 2014, but it's not a bad movie. It's filmed very competently. There's a really good score on it. Um, my issue lies in, one, the story, two, the acting, um, and three, the, the just the, the the idea that someone would put this out and expect no sort of criticism at all, or to be taken uh, seriously, even though it's kind of a comedy, um, is the new film by Kevin Smith, and it's Tusk.
0: Yeah, um, you hate that movie.
1: I fucking hate that. I Bo, I hate that movie. I, um, I, I, I went into a big... You know, diatribe about it on um, Grave Shift Radio, so people should check out me speaking at great length over there about it, and on the Midnight Horror Show. Um, I'm going to be concise with with the reasons. I'd, having more time to think about it, why I don't like the movie. There is a lot of promise of a potentially really interesting story at the heart of that movie. With the actual main, if they if they'd handled it more like Psycho unless like human centipede it could have been a really 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 strong contender i e if what they'd done instead of giving us a character who is a bit of a dick um and giving them that giving us that character all the way through to the end of the movie as our our main lead if what they'd done is instead giving us the first maybe 10 15 minutes with this reprehensible character and then switched over to the side of the antagonist and kept it with him ...for the rest of it... ...because he's the far more interesting character... ...he's the character I want to know more about... ...and and instead what they do is... ...they give us small pips... ...of of Michael Parks in the role... ...you know... ...he begins to start to tell stories... ...which are really interesting... ...that go nowhere and ultimately just... they, ...they fizzle out... ...and because of that it becomes frustrating... ...that ultimately we get what is a very interesting character... ...kind of pushed out to the fringe... ...and we're left with the Justin Long's character... Who is arguably the most dickheadish douchebag character in 2014, and he's our main character. And the, the, Kevin Smith, on some level, tries to push this character as the. On some level, we should feel sorry for him, and I never at any point feel sorry for the character. I actually want I want the film to go further in the torture of him, and that that's not even me getting into the the, the horrible kind of stereotypical racism which is kinda which is kinda directed towards the Canadian although I think it's xenophobia. The kind of attitudes, the really the kind of playground humour in that movie and then ugh, dialogue's awful, which Kevin Smith has never been guilty of um and then probably the worst cameo in any movie I've seen in recent times which is Johnny Depp, who is pointless in this movie, is awful in this movie and I don't know why he did it. I know that their kids, Kevin Smith's uh, daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter are friends and they're going to have some sort of movie coming out by Kevin Smith next year. But I don't know why Johnny Depp's in this movie. You know, that, that way where... I always defend him as well, Boa. He, he right he does things like The Lone Ranger, which not a very good movie. Um, He'd done a couple of the Pirates of the Caribbean, which became a bit uninteresting. I, but I always had it in my heart that Johnny Depp has done movies like, you know, he did The Ninth Gate which is a quirky indie Roman Polanski movie. You know, he, he, for, for every big Hollywood movie he does, he'll go and do a movie like uh, The Rum Runner Diaries or, or something like that. He'll do something else. There's no reason for it to be in this movie. It's awful. And I, I, like I say, it's not the most terrible movie ever made. But to me, it just didn't deliver anything that I wanted from a Kevin Smith movie. So, yeah, that's on the other side. What about you?
0: I have been watching uh, a lot of the screeners. Uh, coming in. so I'll Oh, yeah, see, the
1: Hollywood ones. Yeah, yeah you get that. It's for award season, yeah?
0: Yeah. So I've caught a couple of movies, and uh, both of these, I think, are widely available. One for sure is, and the other may still be in limited release, but should be hitting DVD soon if it hasn't already. But the first movie is The Skeleton Twins, starring Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader, who are former SNL alum. Really interesting movie. It's a great... Indie film about, a, a, you know, a broken family. It reminded me quite a bit of You Can Count on Me, only way funnier because yeah. of the people involved. And it kind of goes off the rails in the third act. There's some stuff that happens that is a little, a little too magical for me, a little too coincidental. Um, <laughs> but it, it proved two things to me. One, uh, Kristen uh, Wig is not a great dramatic actress, which is unfortunate. She's not terrible. But she's not great, and there are a lot of moments in this movie that ring a little hollow because of her performance. The other thing is that Bill Hader is way better a dramatic actor than he he has any right to be. Like, he's oh. phenomenal in it. He He's almost the reason to watch the movie, even though there are scenes between Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig that are, like, hilarious, and their chemistry is apparent and all that stuff. So, you know, Kristen Wiig's not a total drain on the film or anything. But uh but really good, really funny, uh has a very honest kind of approach to sibling relationships and stuff like that. Uh Bill Hader's character is um like there there's a relationship that is revealed over the course of the movie that's really interesting, uh, involving him. But, uh yeah, it's a, a, a really good movie. Highly recommend that one. The one that I recommend even more, though, mm. is uh one of my favorite movies this year, which was Jon Favreau's Chef. Oh, I've not seen it, but I have heard a lot of good things about it. It is a very crowd-pleasing kind of movie, but it is also Jon Favreau kind of not so hidingly discussing his discomfort with the success of iron man Mm. and there's very much a theme in the film about can you be an artist and still just give people what they want or is there some middle ground and it's it's very interesting and it's very funny and it's really heartwarming and there's a, a child actor whose name i don't know i feel bad about that but uh John Favreau's son in the film. He, and it's, you know, they have kind of a, a, a problematic relationship and yada yada. But he uh the the kid actor is really good and their relationship is actually not annoying, which I find most father son relationships in movies to be <laughs> where they're just very rote, stereotypical kind of affairs. And and this one's a little more complicated and and i I really like that. Uh and like I said very funny um really uplifting as soon as it was, as it was over i i can't tell you how much i wanted a cuban sandwich <laughs> i was like that all this entire movie they have been passing that back and forth and it looks delicious um so <laughs> uh,
1: yeah that was one of the things i heard
0: about the movie
1: is don't go and see it on an empty stomach
0: it's very true i mean like the movie really indulges in scenes where they go to kind of you know, uh, uh, food artists who, mm. you know, are cooking these briskets in Texas and stuff like that. And, you know, you get to see them stoke the fires as they're pulling the brisket out and mm. sitting around a table and just cutting a piece off with a knife, you know, and it, yeah, the whole time you're like that, I would love to be on that trip right now, <laughs> of, like going through New Orleans and Texas and all that. And just, you know, knowing where the good spots are to eat.
1: Um, yes, you, essentially what you're watching is a television show called Bull Versus Food.
0: Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe that's my ultimate destiny. But yeah, both <laughs> of those movies are really good, and Chef in particular is one that I find myself going back to quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just kind of throw it on in the background because there are a handful of scenes that I just really, really love. The biggest complaint I have about the movie is there's a scene between him and Robert Downey Jr. that is uh-huh. hysterical, but totally out of place in the film. Right, it's it's really really funny. It's clear they were having a great time doing this scene, but it is completely superfluous to the film. It's just an excuse to have RDJ show up and be weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and that's fine, but uh it it does kind of put the pause button on the actual film for a few <laughs> minutes uh, where it's just like, "Hey, guess who stopped by? Let's spend a little time with him." Uh but it is a, a really funny bit where he's like this dude who who Works in a beautiful office to the point where he makes everyone put booties over their shoes so they <laughs> track anything in. And John Favreau is coming to him to uh for a business proposition. And mm-hmm. he, Robert Downey Jr. is playing the ex-husband of John Favreau's ex-wife. Like, John Favreau was married to this woman. They got a divorce. She married Robert Downey Jr. And mm-hmm. now they're divorced as well. So they're they're discussing a possible business arrangement, and meanwhile, Robert Downey Jr.'s secretary walks in, like whispers in his ear, and then walks back out, and Robert Downey Jr. looks at John Favreau and says, she's pregnant. She told me five minutes ago before you showed up. She says it's mine. Anyway, what were you talking about? And then he just starts asking him all these like advice questions about what he should do about this unwanted pregnancy <laughs> that are totally inappropriate to the meeting. And it's really funny. Um anyway, so Chef is good. You should really see the movie Chef. It's a a really it is as delicious as the uh the food it portrays. If I were going to do a Roger Ebert style review. Um <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's that's what we've been watching, uh, with the exception of these two films, which uh, mm-hmm. as as I mentioned, sports related. Up first, my recommendation to you, uh, I, an Oscar nominated film, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, for Jonah Hill and Best Picture. I want to say maybe Brett Baker yeah. nominated too. Anyway, uh, Moneyball is what we're going to be talking about. So uh, we'll be right back. Part two, a boring, awful sport. Hey, welcome back. So, sports movies, right? Mm -hmm. You love them, I love them. Kind of. But, but, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a good challenge to find movies, sports movies, beyond, like, you know, Field of Dreams and the shit everybody's saying. And arguably, my choice is fairly obvious, I think. My pick for you, Duncan, is Mm -hmm. Moneyball. Uh, The short synopsis is Oakland A's manager Billy Bean's successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing computer-generated analysis to acquire new players uh, is the plot of the film, which is accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, It is directed by Bennett Miller, who I don't think has done a bad film yet, starting with uh, The Crews. Mm-hmm. which is an excellent documentary if you haven't seen it. I have seen it, yeah. And I love that movie. Love that movie. It's so bizarre. Um, he also directed Capote, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic film. Uh, Foxcatcher, which I haven't which I've,
1: seen. I've just seen, actually. This is Until I watched Moneyball, Moneyball was the only movie of his collection I had not seen. So and you know, up to this point of recording. So um Foxcatchers actually uh, well that's a well that's an aside. We'll talk about it off
0: here, but yeah. Okay. Uh, so I but I, I like Bennett Miller's work quite a bit. When you're also dealing with a script from Aaron Sorkin and Steve Zalian, in theory, this should be one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's that. I think it's awfully good, though. But my uh, opinion of this film matters very little. Duncan, what did you think of Moneyball?
1: Uh, well, first off, like you said, um, it's, a, it's the the director here, Bennett Miller, is a guy who has tried and tested a really, really good director. I mean, he's already got... Uh, if he hasn't already got an Oscar, I'm sure he got an Oscar for Capote, but I might be wrong about that. I know that um, Seymour Hoffman... Got the Oscar for Best Actor. I don't know if the film was Best Film or whatever, but um, he's he's a guy that can can certainly direct a movie incredibly well. And on paper, I shouldn't like this movie because as soon as we were doing the lists of movies and I, I chose Moneyball because I I remember when it came out and I remember seeing the trailer for it and going, "Am I fuck going to the cinema to watch that movie? Not going to do it because I'm not." the biggest sports guy in the world and I have tried to get into some American sports before and failed miserably. And one of them is baseball. I've tried several times to get into baseball, even though some colleagues of mine on other shows I do are heavily into baseball, I just can't get into it. I find my attention starting to wane very quickly. It's a uh,
0: boring, awful sport. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So when you
1: when you're presented with this, oh, it's a baseball movie, I'm like, well this, you know, is not the sort of movie that I would want to watch. And going into that, even though I knew who the director was and knew of the film, and knew that Brad Pitt was in it, I was fairly confident that I was going to take another win away from you, Paul. Um, and then I watched the movie. And this movie isn't really about baseball at all. Baseball is certainly the topic in the background, but it's more to do with the science behind it's more to do with statistics really than it is to do with sport and in that it becomes a far more interesting kind of character observation especially when you have the the kind of interactions of our our two main characters who are played like you said by Brad Pitt and another one by Jonah Hill who uh, this might be because I'm obviously seeing Jonah Hill now Kind of from the transition from doing movies like Superbad and things like that. Um, I, I see him in movies like uh, Wolf of Wall Street and think oh, he's a really entertaining, quite eccentric, but at times serious actor. Uh, how has he made this jump? This I, I don't know if this is his first transition to doing that, but I kind of see it here. I kind of see him being he, of the two roles. He is the more interesting one in this movie. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. And, and him and Brad Pitt actually. Have really good on-screen chemistry, their interactions, the, the the dialogues between the two. It's highly entertaining. I quite like the story of the the film as well about this, you know, this team which is basically on its its last legs. If it was a horse, it'd be heading to the shed with the bolt gun. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of on its way out. And um, how basically you can take someone who has, I think he's, he's is it he not like an economics
0: graduate or student or something he graduated from yale in economics and his first job is with a baseball team yeah
1: yeah and basically what he does is he takes everything he knows about economics and number number crunching and basically kind of takes a formula and moves that over into world of baseball and says you know right the, the major leagues are picking up all these players that doesn't necessarily mean these are the best players um statistically if we look at all these different things there are potentially you know great players going you know nowhere that we can pick up and and implementing this really kind of turns around the fortunes of the club which is the kind of standard thing most sports movies if if we're watching any sports movie bo you you're a writer you would you if you were writing a sports movie you would know that you need to have a team that's down and out something comes along changes the fortunes team goes on to do very well and or wins the whatever right. trophy they
0: they learn to be a team at some point in the movie and as soon as that happens it's off to the state championships or whatever yeah, yeah.
1: so so that's your kind of this doesn't really necessarily go as sappy or schmaltzy as that but what it does is it kind of juggles the 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 people behind the team. Um, it kind of juggles the 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 kind of and you. We were saying Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. Let's not let's not downplay the fact that Philip Seymour Hoffman's in this being fucking am- oh.
0: he almost looks nothing like himself, even though yeah. he just shaved his head a little bit. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But he's in this. He's excellent, Chris Pratt, in a, a kind of more early role, I think, in his career. He's obviously his big claim to fame uh, last year was he's the the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, Star Lord. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, you know, he's he's obviously went on to do bigger things now and all the rest. And he's interesting. It's a really good story, and it's really well directed, and is really well acted, and. It it takes a subject matter which would generally be boring to me and makes me kind of interested in it because it doesn't have baseball clips every two or three seconds or following a player who used to have a great arm who doesn't anymore, but he's going to be brought in from the bench in the last game and it's, right. you know, the, your standard tropes. The, the, I mean, this is a very clever selection um, by yourself or, you know, as, as a movie that I should check out because... It, it makes a, a subject matter which is not interesting in the slightest towards me, but puts it in such a format and such a story and a context which instantly gets me engaged because there's real people here. I'm not being I'm not being asked to sympathise with a millionaire who's lost his arm. You know what I mean? You, you can yeah. no longer. I, I, this is going in our way. It's, a, it's about a guy struggling to to basically turn around the fortunes of a, of a team and. You know, being given a scenario where he is introduced to someone who he generally probably wouldn't have anything to do with, these sort of, these number crunchers or whatnot, and then uh, the effects of their relationship on the team, um, I thought it was an excellent movie. I really, really enjoyed it. And it, it goes to show that, very much like you were saying, as it stands just now, Bennett Miller, no bad movies on that, man.
0: Yeah. I think this movie, it, all everything you said, I totally agree with. And, in fact, I'm going to bring up one flaw of the movie I see... Uh, as well. But the, the, uh, let's hit the flaw. I think the daughter comes in too late. I think when when that character shows up, there should have been a scene earlier so that she was more on my mind. Mm. Uh, That said, I do like their relationship. And I even find, uh, even though I don't uh, care much for the song that she gives him, I think his reaction, like when he sees her play that song in the music store. And mm-hmm. she sings you know him like clapping his hand over his his face, and you know, like just adoring his daughter for a second. It makes him a very likable character, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I think the movie is as much about this story of statistics and that sort of thing as it is about this conflict, a modern conflict with uh, modernization of just any business in a world with, like, computers and robot technology and all that stuff, that they're, you know, just as a society, we are facing this kind of push-pull of, hey, we have shit that maybe makes things better or at the very least changes them significantly, Mm -hmm. and there's always that element that pushes back. It's like, no, 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 it's the human element, it's the human element, that's the important thing. And this movie, I think, says pretty clearly, like, no, 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 it's all just numbers, really. Mm Um, I do, I love the scenes in this movie that are the most, like, natural and kind of human. Uh, Like, when when they're going to recruit Chris Pratt, you know, and just like, hey, here's the contract. Nobody else is looking at you. If you want a job, here it is. But when they're talking about him playing first base,
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: he's like, I've never played first base before. And Brad Pitt is, uh, I guess it's the, the training coach he's with on that visit. And he looks at him and he says, "Look, learning first base—it's not that hard. It's not a hard position to play." Tell him, and the guy goes, "It's very hard." <laughs> and and then he keeps going. He's like, "Well, you know, anything worth doing is is a challenge." And kind of kind of rolls with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's like, "Yeah, but you want me to replace Giambi at first base, who's a big star." What are the fans going to say? And his coach says, maybe we should ask one of them to play first base. And you (laughs) see Brad Pitt laugh a little bit and then go right back to the conversation. And, like, that moment I find to be really winning about this movie. I think it's filled Mm -hmm. with a lot of those little things of just natural reactions to the world instead of it feeling like a movie all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he's, but I think that in general is what he does, like as a director, I think that's what he does really well. Um you move on to, I mean Capote is definitely a, it's a movie movie, you know, but, but when you look at things like, especially when you look at things like Foxcatcher, which I know you will eventually get around to seeing because I dare say it will be up for awards this year. Sure. Um, so sure. if it's, if it's not come through the door yet, it will come through the door.
0: I, I've got I, it, just haven't gotten to it, but yeah. Right
1: you You see that you'll see that as well, I mean obviously he's telling a story, but there are a lot in there there's a real there's quite a lot of realistic human interactions in that movie, and that's another movie which would have been would have been really good as a suggestion for this because it is a sports movie, but it's more about the story behind the sport than it is necessarily about the sport, which um I think this movie does really well. I think Moneyball is like I said before it is a movie which takes a subject matter you do not need to be interested in baseball at all to watch this movie um which i think is the the key to any good sports movie because i'm not a big sports fan so yeah, yeah the good ones to me are the ones that have it on the fringe but deal with the people behind it and i think this one does it very well
0: yeah yeah and uh the other thing i really enjoy about this movie or one of the other things i really enjoy about this movie is uh I really appreciate that the relationship between Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, it, which is always, you know, a, a, like it's always a little off kilter. You know, I mm-hmm. think exemplified, like when he first takes him into the coaches meeting or the uh, recruiters meeting and he does the point to him and Jonah Hill uh, to, to get him to answer a question. And Jonah Hill's like, did you want me to say something? <laughs> he's like, yeah, when I point to you, you talk. And then, like, seeing the evolution where they truly become kind of a team mm-hmm. to the point that, you know, and I think it's hard to spoil this movie because it's really about character. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah it, the thing that happens with the team happens with the team and all that. But um, when they're talking at the end and Jonah Hill takes them into the video room to show them, you know, the film of this, like, overweight, you know, minor league ball player and and this story about him. Doing what he never does, he's going to try to, to steal second, and then scrambles back to first and then realizes, oh, I hit a home run, you mm-hmm. know? And and Joda Hill even say like, look, uh, that's kind of a metaphor. And when Brevin's like, yeah, I know it's a metaphor. Uh, but I I think using that story to sort of exemplify uh Brad Pitt's character is really nicely done. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it's a really effective film. Like I, I it's a surprisingly human movie about how numbers matter more <laughs> in sports. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I think it goes along well with uh, the other uh, Aaron Sorkin script kind of about this, um, the social network. I think you could watch both of these movies in, in relatively short, Uh, time span and and see some similarities for sure
1: yeah yeah definitely definitely the the dialogue the dialogue at times whilst it doesn't have necessarily that geeky fast-paced um guy plays zuckerberg Uh, jesse eisenberg yeah jesse eisenberg who can do that you've got on the kind of flip side of that you've got jonah hill doing his version of that which is once again this to me like seeing this movie i'm now completely convinced after doing this movie I think other directors have have allowed him to expand out of the kind of niche, weird kind of comedy roles that he started at the beginning of his career. So, yeah, like I say, everything about this movie is a pick.
0: Yep, yep. All right, well, uh, enough uh, fawning over Moneyball, uh, which everyone (laughs) should see. It's a really good movie. Um, Let's get to your pick for me, which is an Iranian film. Mm -hmm. Like, that was going to score you points or something. Just because it's foreign don't make it better. <laughs> uh, about a couple of kids sharing shoes. So let's get <laughs> let's get into that. We'll be right back. Part three. Shoes are your big problem.
1: And welcome back. So um moving on from Bo's choice for myself um i have chosen a movie like i said i don't think either of these are necessarily sports movies per se i think mine's is the least sports movie that could ever be chosen um this is I, I don't watch a lot of them so when i have to try and think on a hoof it's quite difficult and um i uh I kind of consulted internet and then tried to pick movies that I had seen from that list. And this one comes up as a sports movie. And I think it's only a really a sports movie because there's a race in it at some point. That's the only reason I can think of it being kind of even remotely placed in a sports category. However, it's funny that you, you would pick a director who achieved Oscar status and a lot of nominations on that, that movie. This movie actually did get an Oscar. So... Not that that's me kind of bragging that I brought an Oscar to the table, but... It
0: kind of sounds like you are.
1: It kind of feels like it a wee bit, actually. Yeah. I kind of, I'm feeling kind of smug now. Um, however, I chose a movie called Children of Heaven. Um, it was uh, released in its its home country in 97. Didn't get formally released uh, in the UK and the US until 99. And uh, it has a lot of foreign people in it. So uh, Majid Majid, uh, who... Um, is the director and writer, who I am so thankful for right now that he has the same first name as surname because I, I struggle with uh, foreign names. And there's a lot of people that I'm not going to pronounce in this movie. I'm not going to do their names. Uh, suffice to say that the synopsis for the movie is, after a boy loses his sister's pair of shoes, he goes on a series of adventures in order to find him. When he can't, he tries a new way to win a new pair. So, Bo, I selected this movie for you, like I say, purely on the basis that it was on a list and you had seen it. I saw it a while ago. It's this to me is atonement for the previous show. The previous show, I picked a film which can only be described as a cesspit of, of damning condemnation of everything that humanity stands for.
0: Yes, that is accurate.
1: Yeah. This movie, I feel is is atonement for this, this is about as schmaltzy a movie as I will, will ever have claimed to have seen. I don't tend to watch too too many movies which are too much with heart, um, and this one definitely has that. So you sat down to watch Children of Heaven. Please tell me what you thought of this movie.
0: Um, well, I did not have subtitles, so I had to learn Farsi. <laughs> <laughs> and And to be fair, Duncan, my understanding was only 50% at best. Oh, God. But I feel like that's good uh, for my level of Farsi. Um, <laughs> no, I watched it on Netflix, and it had subtitles. So it's, okay. Yeah, you're right. This is a complete reversal on your uh, cinematic assault that is the act of killing. Um, it is a really sweet story about... Like, a family – like, I kept expecting there to be a real villain in this movie, and there, yeah. there really isn't. The the father at first seems a bit brash and harsh, but he's also incredibly loving. He might be a little strict, but he's he clearly cares about his children a great, great deal. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, so basically this is the story of uh, Amir. Is that right? Ali. Yeah. Ali. Ali. Yeah. Ali. I think
1: so, it's Ali, is it not?
0: yeah so Ali is uh he and his sister uh Zara uh end up having to to share a pair of shoes when he gets uh his sister's lost or it's stolen when he he's shopping mm-hmm. so they they got to start sharing shoes and shit because yeah can't go around barefoot. family's not doing well. you know like buying some shoes is not not cool. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and also the fact that he lost them would be a deal. So they, they share shoes and this leads to, you know, a lot of, oh no, the, one of the shoes is in the sewer. We've got to get that. Cause we're down to two shoes. We can't have just one here. People, um, um, <laughs> And, like, the girl, uh, Zara, maybe stealing some shoes, but then doesn't because, like, the girl she would be stealing from has a worse situation even than her sharing shoes. And, Mm -hmm. like, everything in this movie, it's like, oh, something bad's about to happen. Oh, no. Like, they did the right thing. You know, it's, I, 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 that sounds like I'm being dismissive of this movie. And I'm not Mm -hmm. because it's a really good story. It's a really sweet story. You know, and this culminates in, in uh, Ali wanting to uh, enter this race because one of the prizes, third place, is a pair of shoes. And he's he's shooting for third place. That's all he wants, third place. And, uh, and of course, something more inspiring happens. It's Yeah, it's a really good movie. And I, the one thing I wish that it had done, and I'm kind of glad it doesn't do at the same time, which is mm-hmm. screwed up, but... <laughs> I, I wanted it to be more about, like, what is day-to-day life like in Iran, mm-hmm. uh, which is where the film is set. And uh, it does capture some of that, but it captures it so subtly just as part of the world. You know, mm-hmm. you, the, the filmmakers clearly aren't trying to depict Iran through a certain lens or to try to introduce a Western audience to Iran. It's just like, yep. you're in Iran. This is the world. Yeah. And I wish I understood it a little bit better because the, clearly there are things that are happening between the characters that would be more significant if I understand understood, like, the cultural significance of it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, I'm complaining about something that the, the movie is not trying to do. mm mm-hmm. uh, And what it does, it does really well. I mean, it, the, the story it tells about this family, like, the, the scene where the father, uh, w- when he gets hold of a sprayer. Mm-hmm. you know and there's this it reminded me of Jeanne de Fleurette if you've ever seen that I have not no oh you should okay we'll, we'll come back to that one <laughs> Gerard Depardieu before he went totally bananas uh, and I'm, was like I'm, a I'm, good actor I'm incredibly obese <laughs> Um, he's not terrible in this one this is early <laughs> Depardieu oh, right. it, it's before the crazy really got in his bones <laughs> Before he was pissing on airplanes and shit. So, you know what are we talking about? Children of heaven. So children of heaven. Yeah, everything. Like the the scene with the sprayer is this kind of wonderful moment where the dad sees this opportunity to make some extra money. So they clean up this sprayer, and he's gonna go be a gardener in one of the richer neighborhoods, and like nobody will answer the door for a while. And mm. it's like, well, that's kind of a bummer, but I guess this says something about, you know, the population. And then somebody lets them in, and they have a perfectly wonderful exchange. And it's like, that's that's this movie every step of the way. But then there's a bike accident. But that works out, too, really. Yeah. So, yeah, it's <laughs> like, in a weird way, it almost felt like every time I thought there were, like, stakes in this movie, it was just mm. like, no, 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 no. Just have a nice time. These people are fine. They're yeah. going to be okay. <laughs> don't Don't be sad. These people are okay, and and that's how I felt about it. And at the end of the movie, I kind of left it with a smile on my face and thought like that was really delightful. Mm-hmm. I don't know, unless I just miss something in the, in the subtext of the film. I don't know that there was a, a like a a great statement being made in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, other than the portrayal of this family, which is really wonderful. So. Mm-hmm um yeah i i think it's really good
1: yeah i i, I would i'm i'm gonna weigh in and say that um i'm my opinion of this movie is very much the same as yours i think there isn't any like, there's very few like, to me when you're doing a movie um or, or like we were saying if you write a sports movie but if you're doing a movie in general that there, there tends to need to be some sort of peril or some sort of of think he overcome here, uh, you know, in the movie. And this movie doesn't really have it at all. It's just, well, it's like
0: shoes are your big problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, but even with the shoes, what when when this happens in the movie? Like at first, I'm like, well, this is like a serious concern for for this poor family. But the way the movie handles it is, it's at the forefront, but it never feels like this? it never feels like the, the the sole purpose of this movie is to ram the fact down your throat that this family is poor and can't afford another pair of shoes, if you know what I mean, that the, the kids are aware that their family is so poor that they can't afford it it doesn't do that in this movie it is, it's a really really happy kind of warm embrace of a movie, which is words I don't usually use when talking about movies um, and like you see at, at, at any point where, oh this could be a bad thing, well no actually everything's alright throughout the movie, and it's quite unique in that way there's not many movies that i can think of that kind of that do that i mean this movie is is you know is aimed at kids it's a kid's movie uh, in it's home in it's homeland and very much like yourself i think one of the the kind of points i struggle to to get it's one of the reasons i struggle with movies from india like bollywood movies is i think that there's a lot of cultural references in there that i just don't get because i I don't know what India's like, I've never been to India, I don't know much about their culture so a lot of things fly over the top of my head and this movie kind of has a couple of them as well I think it's very well acted, I think the kids are brilliant in this movie, really 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 good Um, I think the story itself whilst it kind of takes you on a, it's one of these journeys where something happens and we need to go to a place but to get there we're going to have to overcome these obstacles which on paper, if you were writing the obstacles the kid has to go through to get to where he is, they would seem kind of like, well, this seems fairly mundane, but in the context of the story, they're handled really well. It's it's a really, really nice, entertaining watch. Um, And like you say, at the end of the movie, if you're not smiling, then you're not human. I I think there's very few things I can point as being bad in the movie. I think it's just a really, really, really well shot, really well acted. Once again, very much like what we seen seen in the previous movie, it is just a really good, well-rounded movie. I can see why it got the Oscar, and uh, if this is indicative of cinema from that country, I'd be more tempted to check some more stuff out. Um, i know there's an iranian film coming out on the more horror spectrum uh, right enough called the girl walks home alone
0: i've heard um, really good things about that yeah yeah yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. i've heard very good things as well and that's a kind of take on vampirism but at the same time what i've heard is that is there is a kind of warm dra- uh, dramatic feel about the movie it's maybe less horror kind of fringe horror and if that's in keeping with what I imagine Iranian cinema to be, then I, I'm I, I'm very interested to check it out. Uh, yeah, I, I really like it. Like I say, I picked it. When we get them to talk about who came most correct, there I have a clear winner in mind. I don't think I, I oh, unless you're thinking of another movie, I don't think we're going to struggle with this one. But yeah, I think it's one that if you haven't checked out, you were saying it's on Netflix. I don't know if it still will be because Netflix has purged a lot of movies.
0: Yeah, I, I I can't say for sure if it still is since the turn of the new year, but yeah. it was it is, just a week ago. So Yeah, if,
1: if it is, then people, I would say check it out. If you like foreign cinema anyway, if you don't mind subtitles, check it out.
0: Yeah, um, it's, it, it is a really, really nice story, and it's set in a world... You know, one of my bigger complaints of the movie is that it, it doesn't go... Deep enough into explaining the the world because it is so interesting. I want to know more about it. And, um, yeah, it's really, really, uh, a, a wonderful film. So, um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and punch the clock on this one, Duncan. I think we know where this <laughs> is headed. Yep. And it's, uh, right to Bowtown. Part four. I don't think I came correct. All right. Welcome back. Let's, uh, decide. <laughs> Between Moneyball and a little movie about kids with shoes. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but, all right. So, here's the thing. Based on some quick math I did before the show, mm-hmm. I think I have to run the table to tie this season. Oh, right. Okay. So, you've you got a lead on me. hmm In the battle... Of Moneyball v. Children of Heaven, both of these are really good movies. Again, I there hasn't been a movie we've done on this show that I cannot unreservedly well, not unreservedly, active killing requires an asterisk. <laughs> but all of these movies are worth seeing, and and are very good films. Mm-hmm. I think Moneyball is better than Children of Heaven because I think it 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 goes a little deeper. There there's more. Uh, a little more to sink your teeth into thematically with that Mm -hmm. film. Uh, It's hard to compare. They're two very different movies, for sure. Uh, One is a very, you know, uh, character study set against baseball with statistics on top, and the other is a very sweet story um, Mm -hmm. about kids with shoes uh, and the like thereof. (laughs) So, yeah, but... Yeah, I, it it's got to be Moneyball for me. I, I to me it seems clear, but let's let's hear it from you. Um,
1: I am going to say Moneyball uh, for for two reasons. Uh, the first reason I think the this week is sports movies. Your movie is a sports movie. I don't necessarily think mine is. I'm surprised it did make the lists that I did, and I'm surprised I actually picked it. Um, not to say that I don't like it. I think it's an excellent movie. I don't think it meets the criteria for for this particular show. So on one level, I don't think I came correct with the, the actual genre topic uh, for, for this week. Two, I think, like you say, Moneyball to me ticks a lot of the boxes that unfortunately Children of Heaven don't tick. Um, has a bit more depth. Has a bit more in the subject matter of the movie which draws me in that there there is more in the character study of Moneyball than there is in children of heaven not to say that the characters don't they're not two-dimensional characters they just don't go deep enough and to be honest with you i don't think i would enjoy the movie as much if it did go as deep um I, i think that you know that sort of movie needs to be the way it is um it doesn't need to be um you know, if we'd went into too much of what we were saying about, you, yeah, let's look at Iran and look at the way that the children are living in abject poverty. If it had done that, then that's a completely different movie. It takes right. the shine away from it. Yep. Um, so, so it sticks to what works for it. But when you compare it with a movie like, you know, Moneyball, which has a tremendous script, it has heavyweight actors in there delivering the, the script, and putting it against the background of a sport which neither myself nor yourself, I think, no, it are safe to say that.
0: Yeah, baseball's boring as shit. No one should watch yeah.
1: it. Yeah, we, we, neither one of us like baseball, but <laughs> both of us, both of us enjoy this movie. So, eh, yeah. Uh, yeah, on, on those two premises alone, I say Moneyball. So, uh, congratulations, sir.
0: Yes, thank you. It's, uh, been taking some punches lately. That's okay. <laughs> uh, cause I, I feel like, we, uh, I, I feel like I can run the table. I think that we can end in a draw. Because at the end of the day, we've got two more episodes, one of which is the incorrect episode. Ooh. And I got that. You don't, <laughs> like, you don't know that yet, but I got that. <laughs> so I've just, next episode is really the key. If I can If I can pull a win next episode, I feel like we end in a draw. Season two, we start fresh. Mm. yeah so all right hey let's uh let's talk about the stuff we're excited about seeing coming up um i'll go first because me me mm-hmm. me um <laughs> i <laughs> i have uh been avoiding this but in about oh i would guess 30 minutes i'm gonna sit down and finally watch nightcrawler
1: oh that's another oh boy oh that movie i love that movie You're going to love that movie.
0: I can't wait for that movie. I'm really excited. And, like, last night I wanted to um, finish up with, like, Skeleton Twins and a a couple of other movies because I knew, like, I'm going to need uninterrupted time with Nightcrawler. And Mm -hmm. that's what I got coming up. Really excited about watching that one. Uh, That and Foxcatcher. I'm I'm looking forward to watching both of those movies, especially uh, since you've already seen that one. But Mm -hmm. I'm not sure... If I can fit in another single-word, three-syllable title film today. <laughs> Excalibur, Excalibur may be too much. That's that's more. <laughs> so, uh, Excalibur. We'll do that. I'll watch Excalibur. Uh, but what about you? What, are you? what are you looking forward to seeing coming up?
1: Um I am hopefully going to the cinema next week to go and see Birdman, um, the new Michael Keaton film. I've heard wonderful things about it. Um, I also believe that that one might be up for, for some awards. Um, but the good thing about being in the UK just now, um, or every year, uh, is that when Oscar season Kicks into gear over your way where you're getting all these screeners for all these movies. They tend to be released over here and about the January February time. Like a lot of these movies, make the cinema about now. Oh, that uh, makes
0: that. Sense. Yeah.
1: So, so we get a chance to see a lot of them. So, for example, American Hustle, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Twelve Years a Slave. All these movies were released about the January February time last year. So a lot of these movies are now making that, like, Foxcatcher's out. Um, We have Birdman. You know, so a lot of these movies are now, the ones that are kind of hotly tipped for Oscars appear our way about now. So there there will be plenty for me to go and check out at the cinema. That's the one I'm kind of most looking forward to. Uh, Not that I didn't like Foxcatcher, I thought Foxcatcher was a really, uh, that's another one where the stories, maybe not that great but what they do is they they have interesting actor choices in there steve carell's phenomenal in it um once again i would imagine if he doesn't pick up some sort of award there's something going on um but the fact that michael keaton who's an actor that i really enjoy i think he's Mm -hmm. he's he's a wonderful actor unfortunately he's kind of not necessarily been sidelined but he's not been doing much recently I, and what he has been doing is been kind of quirky, and I kind of dig that. Um, it's like when I saw the new, I saw Saint Vincent um, just a couple of weeks ago, which is the new Bill Murray movie, and it's fucking brilliant because really? Bill Bill Murray Bill Murray is back. We've we've had a lot of kind of whimsical, strange kind of casting roles for Bill Murray over the last couple of years. Watch this movie, and it's everything you love about Bill Murray back is, is him being, him playing these strengths now. He's an old man, so he's a crotchety old man. And I like that, so. He
0: is, yeah. he is some sort of like comedy angel or something. Like, I don't know if you followed his exploits on the interwebs.
1: Oh, recently?
0: Yeah, but stories where he'll just like pop up at people's bachelor parties and shit like yeah. that. And like, how am, what a, what an incredible life! Like you're just Bill yeah. Murray, and everywhere you go, you're beloved and accepted. You know, uh, I love
1: yeah. that guy. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good movie as well, and the, that movie has Melissa McCarthy, who I sometimes find a bit overbearing in movies. Um, it's like sometimes she's trying. I know that in in real life, she's apparently not very crass and uh, and whatnot, but um, I sometimes find that some of the movie roles she is given her, like. Overtly crass that sometimes she can be quite off putting she's brilliant in this movie as well. And it's actually another one that I probably should have mentioned at the beginning. Um is another good movie that's that's worth checking out. Um I know once again Murray's tip for Oscar success in that one, but he very much like DiCaprio, they they always seem to miss the mark with them. They never quite get them on the years you would expect them to get them. So um yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to Birdman. That's the one that's it's the one that's in the, the, the targets for myself now. And there's there's obviously horrors going to start kicking up there's going to be a lot of movies released to the the graveyard this this month um I think the first one is um women in Black Two angel of death yeah which i I will be going out to see um because I kind of made a promise to myself every horror title that makes my local cinema this year there's no reason for me not to go and see it so I'll be going to try and catch them all this year so um that could be interesting yeah. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, it's gonna I, be, it's gonna be rough. But... I don't know that I support that decision.
1: Well, Bo, let me I, tell I you something. I
0: respect little... it. I respect <laughs> it.
1: Well, let me tell you a little something about, about my country. The, 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 the slightly more uh, socialist paradise of Scotland. Sure. Uh, I, I, what we have over here is our multi-chain cinemas uh, do cinema cards, which is basically you pay a monthly direct debited fee towards getting a card which allows you unlimited access to movies so i pay a month the the measly sum of about 16 uk british pounds sterling um and that gives me unlimited access to as many movies as i want that month so um, when you have that card and the movies are coming out it really is no excuse not to go and see them in fact yeah. the more you see the better it is so uh, yeah i think with that in mind i'll be doing a lot more checking out of horror movies I, t- I tried to do it last year and i stumbled at the first block which was devil's dew because fuck that movie um so, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's a tough pill to swallow like i'm gonna see everything in the first day is like here's a plate of shit and
1: yeah like, pretty ugh. much
0: <laughs> it's hard to stomach it yeah so
1: yeah um so yeah that's that's what i'm more looking forward to um and certainly 20 this year especially 2015 the titles that are announced for this year this year is going to be a huge year in cinema, there are so many massive studio releases this year, and that's not even looking at indie titles, just so many massive studio releases this year that I mean at the end of this year we get Star Wars, so this one this year already wins over last year So
0: I'm very curious about that movie I, I can't wait, I can't wait uh, I don't know that I'm gonna see it until I hear some reaction
1: Oh, I'll go, I'm i going to see it on opening night, and you will get the reaction from me. All right, I, let me know. I was a huge Star Wars fan, and I did you see I, the prequels? I did see the prequels, and I didn't like any of them. Sure, because so they're they, yeah,
0: they're, they're bad.
1: They're not very good, um, and that's why I'm kind of. I like J.J. Abrams. I don't think he's the the director that a lot of people sometimes claim he is. Um, I think if you look with a microscope over some of the stuff he's done, some of it's not been great. Um, however, I do like what he did with Star Trek. I'm a Trek fan, a Trekkie fan, so uh, I, I do like what he's done with that in terms of rebooting that. And I think now that Lucas no longer has his grubby hands all over the property, I, I genuinely think now is the time to move on. I don't think I could see another version of one of the original movies which he's tweaked um, with Ewoks blinking or fucking guido shooting first all these all these horrible things that he did to those movies i'm quite glad that if if the worst case scenario if getting this movie means that lucas can never touch another one of those movies again then i'm on board already so
0: yeah you have such venom i do lucas, really- apparently
1: yeah, well don't he, he put out that movie not that long ago. What was the one with the, the, the pilots?
0: Red Tails. I didn't see it. I yeah. heard it was pretty terrible. Oh,
1: but. it's fucking awful. And it makes you, at that point, you start questioning, was George Lucas ever actually a really good director? Or did he I just have so. that trilogy? I think he just had a fluke with that trilogy. I really do. I think and when he, you look at- He only directed the first. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think when you- when when they start going more and more under the microscope, I think that's when you start to realise that yeah, he the the thing he did which was very clever was put that that kind of that thing in the contract that allowed him to make money off the merch, um, which ultimately built the empire so um, which made him a very rich man <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah so I, I'm I, I'm looking forward to that but you've got Jurassic Park which once again. On paper, should be a shitty movie, but that trailer sold me. Um, you, you've got that coming out. There's a really interesting one I think is going to drop this year. It's the directorial debut of Ryan Gosling. Um, and from what I heard in, in some of the articles, that film's going to be nuts um, in a dark and horrible way. It's basically his kind of dark thriller. And I'm really looking forward to that as well. The list goes on in movies I can't wait for this year. So it's going to be an exciting one.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. There's a lot of stuff I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it follows. I, I, I keep oh. hearing great things about. It. I really want to see that.
1: Yeah, uh, I've heard.
0: I it, it might. as well uh,
1: take the top spot in my my list this year for horror. That's what. That's why I keep hearing. Yeah. So,
0: I don't know. There, I've got some contenders, but. Um, okay. I, all right. I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's bring this in for mm-hmm. a landing uh, next uh, in a fortnight. <laughs> uh knockwood. we will be back to discuss two more movies that one of us has seen and the other has not and decide uh who in fact has come most correct in their presentation of said films mm. um that's a scientific i think uh an explanation as i can give of the show uh for me um you know uh legion com. check out all the uh this and other podcasts right there uh, and, uh, yeah, look there. That's where everything is. Duncan, what about you?
1: Uh, yeah, the same. All my shows are on Legion Podcast. Check out Podcast Under the Stairs. We're back. We're doing, um, we're doing a lot of movies which are more kind of tightly themed, um, for each show. So that's a lot of fun. Um, uh, Midnight Horror Show, we're about to kick back into gear. I have not a clue what we're doing this year with that show. So, um, it's always fun though, because it's just basically, Unorganized chaos uh, for two hours every week, so make sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, um, make sure you check out the current um, retrospective by Graveshift, which I'm on. We're doing the Exorcist movies. Oh,
0: yeah, and we are about to (laughs) address the prequel films.
1: Yeah, oh, goody. Goody, goody. I've not sat down to watch them yet. I'm kind of saving myself for the day of recording, so um, yeah.
0: I know, I keep putting it off too. I need, I need (laughs) to sit down and watch it, but, ugh. (laughs) Ugh. The the one thing I can say about that is, it's not Exorcist 2.
1: No, no, that's, that is is the only saving grace. We're going into these movies expecting, when you reach that, when you reach a prequel, which is the fourth outing of a franchise, you kind of expect it to be bad. You don't expect, you don't have high expectations like you do for what is the sequel to arguably one of the greatest Horror movies, and if you can move it out with horror, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, so at, at this stage, I'm not really walking into expecting it. I, I think this is the one that I have seen out of the two, uh, which are basically the same movie, which I don't once again, don't know why. Um, But yeah, I think this is the one I have seen, and if memory serves, I didn't really like it, so I'll be interested to see if time has been kind.
0: Yeah, well, you know, time always is. It makes everyone prettier and younger. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, we will uh, we will be back in a fortnight with two more films. And uh, as for me, we'll see you
1: next time, Duncan. Thanks very much for listening, folks. Uh, remember, send us feedback. And I'll speak to you all very soon.
0: Anything you want.